Another day one Dolphins podcast hosted by your boy Ouch. Follow me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Here with me is still the Skylar Thompson advocate himself, a follow fellow lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, Chief Sut. Please follow him on Twitter at Chief Sut. Today we bring on our good friend Justin from the Pro Football Podcast. He's another lifelong loyal Fins fan. Please follow his podcast at Pro Football underscore pod. Follow our podcast, Twitter at Day One Dolphins. Stay up to date. Let's get down to it. What's going on, son? It's just one of those weeks where you don't want to be right. I'm sorry. I sounded way too yeah. happy with that. What's going on, son, man? What's, what's Like I said, on, bro, man? just one of those weeks. You don't want to be right. It, uh, it was one of those funky feelings all week. It was a funky feeling going into the game. And then they announced Xavier Howard isn't playing and... Honestly, right there, I accepted defeat. I know a lot of the group text was telling me I was just scarred and I needed to put some pep in my step, but I don't know, bro. I, I accepted it before kickoff that it was just going to be one of those weird, sketchy, stupid Jets games, and there we were. Before kickoff? Yeah. It wasn't until the first play that I decided to call it i was oh shit brother listen back to the preview episode i was i was telling you hey man i don't i'm not feeling too hot about this one like i wasn't feeling too hot about it then and then as the week kept going on and we have these random injuries and these random things going on i started feeling less and less and less good and by the time kickoff started i did not expect i did not even expect us to compete I expected us to either just have Teddy just getting pushed on the ground over and over again and not being able to get the ball anywhere, and then them just running the ball all over us, and Elijah Moore. And that's not necessarily what happened. It was actually worse. So, <laughs> Yeah. Was Reese Hall the guy you had just been saying you wanted to draft from the whole Yeah, the exact opposite. Um, I, I, was on, I was president of the anti-Breeze club, and... Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, figure well, What was your first thoughts? Just give me like one to two sentences of what you thought when you saw Teddy Bridgewater exit the game after play one. Mm. Be honest. Instant karma would be one. And this is what the league wants would be two. Because they're going to use us as the okay. example that they love to use us as. And they're going to show how stupid their new protocol is without clearing Tua of anything or clearing the Dolphins of anything. They're going to show how the new rules implemented. When everybody sees how stupid it is, they're going to change it. So not only was the rule changed because yeah, of possible. us, we're going to be the only team impacted by it. And then they're going to change it again anyway. So Sounds like the most Miami Dolphins Welcome. thing possible. Um yeah, welcome, Justin. Justin, I'm going to ask you the same thing, man. 
first play of the game, you don't even, some people weren't even in their seats yet, you know, they were like, still like, oh, let's get the food ready or grab my beer real quick. First play, you see Teddy go down like one to two sentences. What, what's your reaction? Oh yeah. Like what's up guys. First off, appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, first thoughts when he first got hit, went out, you know, fucking figures, right? Uh, gonna watch my language a little more so you don't have to cr- go crazy on that beat button there. I'm aware of that. No <laughs> but uh, no, as Dolphins fan, it's just like it figures, right? You know, it's just we were on the mountaintop, we're on the way back down. Obviously, thought maybe he's just dinged up, wind knocked out of him. He's gonna come back in. Soon as I saw the tweet go out that he was back there looking at his elbow and his head, he, I knew there was no shot he was coming back in, whether they cleared him or not. With us under the microscope after Tua, there was no shot he was coming back in. It was Skyler the rest of the way. And, I mean, like Sut said, I pretty much gave up. But it was also like, you know, let's see what the boys can do here and how the defense holds up. And for three and a half quarters, I wasn't mad at what I was watching. Yeah, it was competitive at least. It looked like it. We knew that we were capable of, like, more, obviously. But... Between the two teams, you could tell at least. All right, well, w- this isn't a this isn't a blowout, you know. It's the Jets, and you know, I think it would have been worse. Like, let's say we had to see. It felt to me like watching Jay Cutler get hurt and Matt Moore coming in, or something like that. I was just like, you know what? It could be a lot worse. So there's not really a need for panic, you know. It could be a lot worse. I just knew that our third string quarterback could have been Lynn Bowden Jr. You so, could have had Russell Wilson. Shout out to Lynn Bowden. I don't. I don't. I don't, yeah, I don't know where my dog Russell is. That's my fantasy starter, Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, so I know all too well his shortcomings of the past. I actually just weeks. traded for uh, Russell Wilson. If it makes you feel any better, I'm buying low. I don't care. I think he's going to bounce back. Yeah. I think they're going to shoot him up with enough compound B that that shoulder, he don't even feel it, baby. He's just going to get to slanging. <laughs> my, my fantasy group chat has been renamed Lats Oof. Ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get no, it, no, I get it. <laughs> That's why I said oof. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm pro Russ. Um, I don't care how much they shit on him. I'm pro Russ. So am I. I don't care. He's a cornball and I love Russ it. Until he scores nine points. Yeah, he hasn't been my starter this year. I just traded for him. Mean machine. We're a scrappy bunch. And if there's one thing we could use, it's that cornball just pulling up because Trevor Lawrence can't even get it done against the Houston Texans. So as much as we want to get mad about our seventh round rookie quarterback, it could be so much worse. So much. Yeah. He's not that bad, Jay dude. Cutler. And I would go as far as to say he looks better than what I've seen out of Baker Mayfield. Not this worse. Year. Um, I, I would say three years in the league that Baker Mayfield would probably be Skyler's floor. Floor. At that three, four years in, so like he is. are so, are you I mean, yeah, like I know you like calling me the Skyler advocate, but do you see why I'm willing to take the chance on him and skipping on Teddy? Because we knew what we were getting with Teddy. We didn't know that he was going to get and uh, apologize for the spinning noises in the back. My cat is just going ham, but uh, we knew that with Teddy, we're going to get somebody that's not going to tuck it and run. He's going to be smart with the ball, and we're going to get we're going to get a get. And I think we would have won that game playing like that, in my opinion. I, a lot of people think that, oh, you know, we had more problems in quarterback, this and that. Yeah, but every single football team that stands on a football field 
has some issues that they're either trying to mask or work around to win the game. And we were in a capable position Ouch. plenty of times. There was a missed mm-hmm. field goal. There was, you know, uh, third down conversions, fourth down conversions that we, we should have should have been easy. Missed block assignments, watching, you know, just some suspect play calls. Overall, they're a lot better than they are bad. So I'm not going to, you know, right. harp on that too much. But, you know, there were some mistakes made on on all parts. And I think that there was a lot of time. There was a couple important plays that, that the game comes down to. Like every football game you see, it comes down to a handful of important plays. And a couple of them, Teddy just would have made a smarter decision. You know, and I don't fr- I don't mm-hmm. blame Skylar at all. Before the show, we talked about it a little bit by ourselves. And I think that people really underestimate how good of a job Skyler did for being in the position that he was. He hasn't taken reps with some of those guys ever. You know, he went out there and he was the quarterback for Kansas state like six months ago. And he just played against a professional football team and arguably a good defense. You know, it's not like this is some, you know, just random defense that had a good game. The jets defense has been solid and it's getting better throughout the year. And they have a great Head uh, defensive coordinator. They tore as Burrow coach. up. Tore him to shreds. Made him look like shit. Yeah, and man. we couldn't. And Skyler definitely wants some some plays back. I know he does. And he stood in the pocket way too long a couple times. And when we had our last drive there, which kind of it hurt to see when you're on your last sliver of hope. But all in all, all things considered. No practice, no reps with any of these guys. Him being the rookie that he is, him being a seventh round pick, him never playing against like that. He's never played against that many NFL caliber players at once in his entire life. He's never ever even seen that many on the and he handled his own there. So and not to mention, I'm gonna let I'm gonna yeah, let did, I'm gonna let did. Justin handle it. But all I all I have to say is, yeah. what kind of game manager takes an intentional grounding? In the fucking end zone. Was that intentional grounding? Or did he hit the back of Durham Smythe, who was an eligible receiver, and the referees just didn't know? I, I'm not going to argue that. I think he was close enough to Durham Smythe I for that I to think, not be called. I don't think if you mention, don't call the... I don't think don't if you call hit, the Josh Allen one, where he clearly also intentionally grounded, and... That's way worse. To me, there was no receiver around. You're on the run and you didn't and you had pressure but you weren't getting hit. Teddy Bridgewater is being hit which takes the uh velocity mm-hmm. out of the throw. It takes everything out of his throw, but you can see that he had already decided and was throwing it, but like the 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 hit impeded the action right. of the throw, which is what the referee is supposed to look at. So not only did it get pretty close to an eligible receiver, their logic was well, he was an eligible receiver, but he hadn't come off his blocking assignment yet, so he wasn't ready, and therefore he wasn't eligible for it to be thrown to, And which I think is just the stupidest thing ever because I've seen people throw it at the back of a— Tom Brady throws it at his line. All right, ass, well, and they if we're going to talk flat. about Tom Brady, he didn't get hit half as hard as Tua got dragged down, and that Grady Jarrett play was the talk of the town on Sunday where, oh, was this actually roughing the passer? Tua got f- taken out on a stretcher and they didn't even throw a flag on the play. So we, we don't, the we just don't get called the same way. And like, if you want to talk about Tom Brady, we There's really don't get the same kind of calls as Tom Brady and Josh Allen, but Justin, what's up, bro? 
Did you see the Chris Olave hit? Same yeah. exact tackle as the Brady one and the 201, and it ended up concussing Chris Olave. We're seeing a, a defender take the person they're tackling from one side of their hips, lean back with their body weight, shifting to the other side of their body and slinging across their hips like a suplex. And it's, they're going to have to outlaw that specific type of tackle if 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 three people get look to get concussed in one week. In one day, while we're recording the Chiefs and Raiders games going on right now, Mahomes literally just got sacked the exact same way, and a flag was not thrown. It's an inconsistency, and we talk about it on the show sometimes. I just talk, you know, referees are a human element subjective element to football and the game the sport itself and unfortunately they either add a level of adversity to the game that you have to overcome or they give you a lucky roll of the dice that help bails you out of a situation but every team does experience both and you know unfortunately i just I don't know. I've just over the years of watching Miami and watching the unfair calls that we get and watching Tom Brady get the treatment that he gets. I've just kind of come to the terms that, you know, you just got to win no matter how many pass interference. flags. We just know we're not. We just know we're not getting We're not going to ever go into a game and be like, oh, wow. Well, at least, you know, we're going to have the refs on our side. We know going into it, we got to beat that too. And we're never going to have it on our side. And it is what it is. But there are times where it actually bothers us and it actually gets to us. Like that Tua sack not even being a roughing the passer, but this Tom Brady thing is. Like the Teddy play being an intentional grounding. Plus he's out when the Josh Allen play was clearly a bigger roughing the... uh, I'm sorry, not roughing the passer, uh, intentional grounding. He wasn't even touched. He was clearly in the pocket. There was not a receiver closer than Durham was with Teddy's throw. And I, we, we sound like, you know, crybabies when we, we go on Twitter and argue with our friends that we don't get called the same way and we don't get proper treatment with referees. But like, bro, it's every week, every week, every week. I can pull up two examples every game with off the top of my head since the Landon Roberts roughing the passer on Mac Jones to open last season. Like, it's disgusting yeah i think it happens to most teams definitely feels like it happens to us more and i like to think that i watch a lot of other football outside of um, i do the dolphins i watch every replay to be able to i do a fantasy show two of them actually and i bro it's clearly they hate us they opened up this game and if you watch uh tim donaghy his whole special or if you just watch interviews with him and he talks about how they used to point shave for the nba games and like handle the spreads the key is to just throw flags on a prime time player so if they need lebron to lose or just like you know hit the under this week they'll just hit him two ticky tack fouls really early in the first quarter and just kind of get it slowed down i'm noticing with these nfl teams they really want to on people they'll just start throwing a lot of those dumber flags that they don't need to throw more of the intentional uh uh illegal man downfield uh illegal hands to the face stupid holdings Holding. that they can call on every play that they don't they do call on us especially in the first quarter and it was especially hard in this, first quarter the, this last game the pass interference call that they called when it was an uncatchable ball it was just so far away yeah. from where it had happened, and they still called it. I mean, there's a lot of things they did. They also 
if you look at the intentional grounding call, the head referee is the one in the end zone, the guy with the white hat. He has the say-so over everybody. And he calls it an uh, incomplete pass. And he's the one with the best view of what happened. And then the other referees come over and consult him. They look at the video. From the Jumbotron. They look yeah. at the Jumbotron. The Jumbotron, yeah, to decide. And that's not even a process that they're supposed to do. You're not supposed to consult the ju- the video unless it's challenged. Per- point blank, period. That's the rules of I'm glad Sut brought up uh, I mean, Tim could- Donaghy. Just because I, I know there's no way to statistically look at it, but I would love to see the correlation in when sports betting online became legal and blown egregious calls that like calls that either should not have been made or calls that should have been made and just simply weren't that decided ball games and the correlation before online betting became legal. Like I, like I said, I know there's no way to actually statistically look at that because you'd have to analyze every game, what calls were called and what calls weren't and all of that, but it can be done. I It'll mean, just take a lot of time, and we need a couple of sponsors to like you know take I care mean, of our livelihoods. I, Drewski so we can just analyze every game, but Drewski on uh, YouTube and like TikTok and shit. He was at the Auburn game, and he was sitting there talking to a ref, talking about how much you got on this parlay, and the ref just turned around and smiled, and it was just like, man, you know they got money on these games. How do they not? Oh yeah. How do they not, bro? Ones. And who's gonna say something? I would. Don't let me be a referee. I'm putting it all on whoever I'm coaching. Think about their family, bro. So let's say, uh, let's say my boy. Oh, Ouch. my third Ouch. cousin Ouch would be my, placing all kinds of bets for segment me. Of you know what I'm saying? If I know you're a ref, bro, get the out of here. And the Dolphins are the easiest to pick on because it's easy to just gaslight us and say, "Oh, the fan base is crazy. They're a bunch of idiots." And like, yep. there's no way they're just rigging every Dolphins game, like. Bro, even if they were, they would just you know? troll us. Everyone in the league could find out that it was 100% proven that the referees were conspiring against Miami and the rest of the rest of NFL Twitter would be like, shut up, bro, whatever. You got a couple couple bad apples in the refereeing yeah. committee. Speaking of bad apples, uh, as the bad apples that we are, we're going to start doing some segments. That way we can be a little bit more formal with this whole podcasting thing. And one of our segments is going to be, we need to talk. And when we need to talk to you, it's because we're starting to uh, think about considering other options. And we don't know if we're going to keep rocking with what we're rocking with. So each of us is just going to talk about somebody that we think uh, we need to talk to. Sit them down. Justin, is there somebody that's sticking out to you that you just need to have a talk with them? Yep. I absolutely need to talk to Joshua Boyer, the defensive coordinator. Uh, because with the way the defense finished the season last year and with the amount of points and yards they're allowing this year, talking bottom five in the league in almost every category, bro, like, what the hell? I mean, even Skyler being in this Jets game aside, the game was close within two points until halfway through the fourth quarter, and the Jets just opened it up. And you just cannot allow 40 points from a Jets team where Zach Wilson throws for zero touchdowns and only 215 yards. Where is the pass rush, Josh Boyer? Because this same Jets team was all over Joe Burrow, sacking him. I think they forced four turnovers just up his ass. 
not only could we not do anything or even stress out Joe Burrow for three plays, we couldn't do anything to this younger teenage boy that the Jets have at quarterback. Like, I completely agree. Boyer needs to uh, Boyer needs to be sat down and talked to. Uh, Mr. Ouch, do you have anything to say about Boyer? I know you're a you're pro Boyer. I mean, it's not even that like I'm a Boyer stand or anything. It's just that, in my opinion, and you know, I mean, I still agree with the skepticism that comes behind Josh Boyer. But in my opinion, this scheme is built so heavily with the philosophy behind the corners and building from your corners outside in. And Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are arguably the most important pieces to our entire football team, you know, outside of like Tyreek Hill. And Usa. And if you can't run man-to-man coverage, then you can't blitz as many, you can't give them any exotic looks. And that's all our defense is. Like uh, Justin had brought up pre-show, we talked about Darius Slay pointing out this is the hardest defensive scheme to run in the league. You have Richard Sherman, who played cornerback, being like, I I think it's unfair that they're putting Xavier Howard in this position because he can't even probably fathom ever having to play man coverage that many times. Never did it. He played on one side of the field his whole career. Yeah, bro. Mr. Right cornerback extraordinaire. Shut your ass up. Put a sorry receiver like Crabtree in front of me. Doc, you're not even in the same category as Xavier Howard, big dog. Just keep that Twitter tight. Uh, I think that that plays a big role into the pass rush and what we see because Emmanuel Ogba has been one of the most consistent players that we have gotten since the tank started. Like He's delivered the same amount of sacks, the same amount of pressures, the same amount of tackles, the same amount of deflections pretty much every season. He's been a great addition. This year, he has one sack through five games. And it helps to have two elite corners that have the type of coverage that makes the quarterback uncomfortable. That half a second long, that half a second longer they have to take to make the decision because of how close and how tight coverage Byron Jones has on their star receiver or because Xavier Howard is in position to intercept the ball makes a difference to, you know, if if Emmanuel gets around that edge. If Jalen, because Jalen Phillips is getting the pressure. He's just not finishing. Right. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with what the what the um coverage is looking like. You're giving them you're giving them less time than he's get than they've got in the last two years. So I think that if we had those guys back there, including Javon Holland at safety, you know, it's gonna look a lot different. They're gonna do things that they were comfortable doing that you saw a lot more last year. I think Boyer's ideology has a lot to do with what we saw and what we thought Flores was. I think they're on the same page, but let's not forget Josh Boyer comes from the same new England roots. You know, he comes from the same style where they built from the corners in and they would give you exotic blitzes throughout the game and relentless pressure on third down. This is, this is, you know, they were both from there. It wasn't just Flores and to try and do that and implement the same style of pressure without having guys that you can actually cover in man to man you're going to get beat. You're going to get any, it's, it's already hard with all stars. We watch Xavier Howard get beat on a slant versus Devin Duvernay. That's yep. all it takes. We watched Xavier Howard get mossed by T Higgins almost. That's all it takes, man. It's just that one, that one half a second slip up. And if you expect two undrafted cornerbacks to be able to step in and fill the roles in the shoes of these guys who are both, top 10 highest paid DBs in the league. <laughs> I mean, I, I got All a bridge right, well to then, sell you. It, I can respect that. You're with Boyer. Who do you need to talk to if it's not Boyer?
Jason Sanders. What like Jason Sanders is going under the radar in my opinion at this point. And and this has been like a complete 180 for me because after the down year that he had, I was still like, well, he was literally perfect the year before, so I'll pardon it. But bro, I'll accept you missing a 50 yard field goal. I'll accept you missing a 50 yard field goal two times in one game. I'll accept you missing a 50 yard field goal a couple times throughout the season, but I'm not going to sit here and watch you miss a extra point and then miss like a 30 yard field goal, a 40 yard field goal when it, the game is on the line because there's like seven or eight guys right now that are living in an RV somewhere chasing their dream of being a professional kicker in the NFL that wouldn't have missed that. That's like, I know it's, it's easy to just put all the blame on a kicker and he's either a God when he makes it, or, you know, he, he, he's like somebody that you want to tar and feather in the middle of Mexico somewhere if he make, if he right. misses it. But if he doesn't, if he keeps missing kicks like this and putting our team at jeopardy to lose, which has now been two games that we've lost that included him missing points that would have put us ahead at the time that he missed the kick, then we just have to find somebody else, man. And he got signed to a four-year contract, I'm pretty sure. Like, that's just, he got signed to like a really good kicker contract, like a kicker's dream type contract. While everyone else juggles punters and kickers outside of like the great ones, we treated Jason Sanders as if he was Justin Tucker, respectfully, because he deserved it. He had it. a year. And then he, I was going to say, I was ready to buy a Jason Sanders jersey just because we were in a tank year and everybody else was <laughs> yeah. going to get shipped off. And I was like, look, Jason Sanders is the safest jersey to buy right now because the dude's automatic. He's going to be here forever. And literally, ever since I th- decided to maybe buy it, he's just absolutely pooped all over the bed. Maybe you should have bought it. Yeah. Maybe maybe you That's, not buying it was it. the key to him just missing. <laughs> I'm sorry, and guys. You owning his jersey would have given him that confidence to keep being wet and not missing from 45 yards out and missing extra points yeah. like and the holds are good last year there were some bad holds and i was like whatever you know we we got rid of our punter and you know this guy's this guy the the commentators tony romo one game was ta- pointing out how he held the ball wrong and i'm like whatever maybe maybe jason sanders has been tortured this year by flores and greer being cheap about this punter and the holder or whatever and like I give him the benefit of the doubt, and now you watch. You got Thomas Morstead well, out there, bro. He knows what he's what ha- doing. What happened to quarterbacks being the holders? Teddy's wears two gloves. Why isn't he out there holding? <laughs> if you go play Madden <laughs> yep. right now, today, and you go to kick, Teddy Bridgewater will. And hold it's the amazing ball. for fake field for goals. Sneak. <laughs> fake field goals are awesome because of the backup quarterback being in there. It just gives you another element, bro. So Tell me the Saints doing? wouldn't have Taysom Hill holding field goals if they weren't allowed to. Bro, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a this day. It just pisses me off. I mean, he he had a day. Before we talk about another guy that had a day, I want to talk about a guy that didn't have a day that I need to talk to. Yeah, who's your guy? Who's your t- I, I want to bounce right guy. off of him into my guy that gets a day off. But I need to talk to Chase Edmonds. I'm going back... We're not going to dwell on the past and, like, do all that. But, gee, bro, we probably win that Thursday night game, and the whole vibe of that game is completely different if you catch that ball that hits you right 
hands in the end zone. I'm pretty sure it was the next drive where Tua went down. But either way, you catch that. We're up. We're chilling. Vibes are good. Not only have you not been running the ball well, you're not catching the ball. It's hitting you in the hands. It's hitting you in stride. It's hitting you while you're not even moving and you're dropping the ball. And your whole big deal was that you're a high efficiency third down weapon. You're like a little Kareem Hunt type dude. Like, okay, cool. But you were also paid to be our RB1 and you are not. You got you got the group text looking at Miles Gaskin going, hmm, he's looking kind of shifty. Like, nah, f- that. I love Miles Gaskin. <laughs> <boy. laughs> he switched boy. to the number three this <laughs> year. Like, I wanted him to get the starting role this year, switching to the number three from he's 30, looking good. 37, man. I'm telling you, it ruined his career. Hey, do not do not let Zach hear I y'all. Think he just... I'm going to address some Zach stuff. I got Zach later. I'm going to talk about number nine. And we're gonna get that out the way, and I'm gonna say my piece. But, but, <laughs> but, but while we're talking about Miles, and uh, yeah, I like what my I like what Miles is doing. But put some respect. Let's on get his let, name. Chase Edmonds. We need to talk. I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna follow back up a little bit later. But the other segment that I wanted to introduce this week is guys that get a day off because in all this negativity, this little bit of a little skid we're hitting right now. We still have some bright spots, and there are guys doing well. And the guy that I want to give a day off to is the other running back. I like to call him Heem. Let's give Heem the day off. My guy put up 100 yards. It was his first 100-yard game in probably a decade. In like a third quarter. He did it you know, in quarter. Like, he's, he's been running hard the last few games. He really didn't get the carries like that, I'd say, the first game or two. Third game, they definitely started up in his usage a little bit. They're not really throwing him the ball. They're handing him the ball. Last week, I was about him not switching the ball to the right hand when he's bouncing outside, put the ball on the outside hand so you use your stiff arm. I swear on everything I love. Watch the film. You can watch the all 22. You can watch the condensed. Watch anyone you want. On his touchdown run, he bounced outside. He used a stiff arm, and then he scored a touchdown. I'm like, bro... I told that's you how I was the, gonna call him. That's how I the running back wording. coaches do it. Thank you, Ouch. He needed to hear it. He's finally surfing in like, Miami yo, again. He he's he's balling. Let's give it, let's give my man the day off. He did everything that we asked of him. He was one of the bright spots of the game. We actually got the run game going, which I've been begging for, and it was Heem. Oh my god, it's Heem. Like I don't know who you got for your day off, Mr. Ouch. For my day off, boy, it seems like a lot of them are getting days off. Uh just because they're all injured, but um, if I was going to give somebody the day off who stuck out to me, I don't know, man. Raheem is really one of the only bright spots. Um, and Robert Hunt's like a cheating. You can't really I, just say him every game, even though you could. Yeah. We haven't really given Connor Williams the the respect that he deserves on the show. Because mm-hmm. um, you hate him. I'll put him in as just something. I don't hate him. I just, uh, he's, he's, He's done well, man. He's played well as a, as a center. He's been graded by the company that I despise. PFF thinks he's good, so you know that's whatever that's worth. But Connor Williams made the switch from guard to center this year, and kind of he had a couple like snap issues, this and that. But all in all, he's been good, and he's been, you know a lot gets swept under the rug about the type of leadership that you have to have to be like. You know, man in that whole room of linemen and 
being he's going through three different quarterbacks, dude. You know what I mean? And he's still working with these guys. And I think I think Connor Williams is a great addition. And I think that we're lucky to have him over there. And I didn't realize the um, margin of talent that we we're missing at the center position because you just see a guy snap the ball and you're like, well, you know, he did what he was supposed to do. But it makes a difference between having him and Michael Dieter out there even though Dieter was serviceable you're seeing all the extra stuff that can be done when you have somebody that really knows what's going on and really knows what the second level blocking assignment is well Connor Williams also has that athleticism to where like few centers are able to snap the ball and pull and go out and to be a lead blocker and like that's Jason Kelsey like type of shit right there and for Connor Williams to bring that to Mike McDaniel's running game yeah, he's absolutely mm-hmm. like doing more than what I expected. You know, I expected him to be solid because we expected him to come in and as a guard, blocking wise, still expected about the same as center. But like you said, to anchor that middle of the line, it's it goes unsaid at how much you need a solid center to be in the middle and run that offensive line for you. And he's he's literally yep. setting everybody up with Skylar Thompson out there. So, you know, it's a little bit chippier than having Tua out there helping you make some calls. So he's making those calls, snapping the ball. There was a play where he pulled, chipped a down lineman. That way Raheem could, like, make a little play. And then he got to the second level and was, like, pancaking a linebacker. And it's like, yeah, kid. He's, like, 25, 26, like – that's a long-term solution at center. We don't have to draft a center or worry about center as long as he's there. So I, I appreciate you uh, shouting him out. I'm pro Connor Williams. If and I also, before we finish, want to point out, I think once one point in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I talked about what Kyle Shanahan had said. It was, it was like a Chris Kaufman note, and it was talking about what Kyle Shanahan said that he needs – to make his offense work, which is similar to Mike McDaniel's offense here. He said he has to have a dominant X receiver, possession receiver, a burner receiver, pass catching tight end, two pass catching backs. Sound familiar yet? This uh, philosophy. And the number one, you have to have a cerebral center. Well, arguably one of the most important positions on the field that people overlook. So to run this wide zone system, you have to have a cerebral center with experience. So it, one that has lateral mobility, you need to have, yeah, he has to be athletic and he has to be able to, you know, the athleticism opens up stuff for the offense that you haven't seen in Miami. And it's more of a Well, that's why Alex Mack followed Shanahan from Cleveland to Atlanta to San Francisco before he retired. Yeah, because, you know, if you're a player, you know, it's not hard for you to see what coaches are getting the best out of you, not just the team, you like, you know, they're putting you in the best position to succeed. It's probably why Debo's wanted to come to Miami. Why Debo is holding out once Mike left. You're seeing that plate Collins getting sketchy and weird over there. And again, we'll leave that alone. But uh, Justin, who are you giving a day off to brother? You know, so we're going to have a talk with Boyer. But his guy over there on the defensive side, I'm going to let Jerome Baker have the day off this week. My guy was out there Damn. just doing what he had to. Got a sack for you. What He followed Conklin, what, 40 yards down the field to swat that ball away in coverage? Thank you. I, I thought you it was, saw that play, I thought bro. it was – I thought it was Javon was Holland number. making the play. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. And then Jerome yeah. popped up, and I was like, well, can go, boys. Like – 
uh, that that play alone, like just give him the day off because you know he needs to still catch his breath. Bro, every week, week Jerome in might be the best week DB. in, week out. That man does whatever we need. Quietly. No if complaints. You need to do 90% of your job on defense to win the game. Jerome Baker does 101. Every week. Every no week. questions asked. We don't even have to think about it. And like we're seeing right now that, yes, as much as we love Javon Holland, he's definitely having an iffier season. It's not as consistent as we're used to. Jerome Baker is play in, play out every week. Very underappreciated. He could take every practice off he wants and just show up for games. And I'm cool with that. He's whatever what, Jerome wants to do. He's, just can someone please get him another linebacker to make his life easier so he can shine for real? Exactly. He's one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. Like with his athleticism, if you get that thumper that's more consistent to be able to stay in the middle and just let him go sideline to sideline, you would absolutely see his statistics and his star just rise. Did you notice the Channing Tindall sighting on third down? I did, yes. Channing Tindall. I'd love to see it. Love to see it. He shot up like a rocket and hit something. And I'm like, okay, yeah. we need more of that. We need him out there not thinking. I, I think I said it in the group text or in the pre-show or something, but like the more reps we can get out of Tyndall, just playing like how a Blandon plays, where, you know, he's not paying attention to anything except where the ball is or just a number. Hit, hit the running back, hit the tight end, hit the center, hit whoever it is. But get him out there, get him some reps, and just use him as a weapon. And stop having these guys that are weapons Think we have a Landon Roberts and Jalen Phillips out there trying to make Jerome Baker level decisions. They don't need to be doing that. They need to be being sent at the passer, being sent at the ball carrier, being sent at the ball. Jerome Baker and Javon Holland and Xavier Howard, those are guys that you can tell to go out there and think. But some guys, you just can't do that. And I think we're we're expecting a lot out of guys out of position almost. Yes, we got away with Connor Williams moving him to center. That wasn't really out of position. But I think the way we're using Jalen Phillips is just completely out of position, and it's f***ing our entire defense up. I'm going to say it every week until Boyer just puts his hand in the dirt and just sends him at the quarterback every play. But there's absolutely no reason, there's no benefit in the scheme for Jalen for Jalen Phillips to be in coverage. No, there's, there's not, benefit. bro. You don't, don't you don't you don't put Miles Garrett and drop him back in is. coverage. You don't drop JJ Watt, prime JJ Watt in coverage. You don't it I mean it's 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 it, it there is a reason. The reason is stu- the reason is stupid. You do it because but the reason is because we already invested in this scheme. Like you don't get to just pop in and out of it, you know, whenever you want to. You commit to it. I keep saying this like if you're going to have everybody who either A does their first assignment or B blitzes or C drops into coverage and that means everybody has to do a little bit of it every once in a while just to keep them honest do I think that Jalen Phillips is going to actually do a single thing in pass coverage and it is and is it probably a waste of a snap yes but it's more about setting up what can come from the defense or from the offense having to have seen I'm just so sick of hearing that it shows the offense that hey he will do it you know, like he doesn't mean it's better off for our scheme if they don't think that Emmanuel Ogba and Jalen Phillips and Andrew Van Ginkle and Melvin Ingram are coming straight for the quarterback every play. 
It's better off that you don't know whether they're going to drop back or rush. Bro, That's the scheme the don't work. We have no sacks. We have one interception, and it was on the first drive of the season. We have I, we have a terrible I scheme, think it works and we need every we need time to we have our corners. I almost think he's trying to run that Brian Flores amoeba style defense just a little too much. Like exactly. I I understand like what you're saying there, Zach. Like as far as you know, just let your guys you know, do what you do. Like you don't know who's coming. He, this guy might drop back. This guy might rush. You, all the linebackers might come and all the defensive linemen might drop back. Like that's yeah. going to fuck. But to me, like that's something you pull out every now and then just to try to catch the offense off guard. Whereas I feel like he's doing it as his base style of defense. And it's just guys are getting lost in the shuffle. Like Sut said, you've got guys like Jalen so Phillips who's out there trying to defend passes when anything past five yards, he's not going to be able to keep up and turn his his head with a pass catcher. Like Jalen Phillips, he needs to yeah. absolutely just Bro. rush the passer. He's not an out. He's not an. He's not Most an outside linebacker. If you want to put drop Ogba back every once in a while into coverage, okay, maybe I get it. But Jalen Phillips, do not do that. We noticed that last year. I mean, he's so okay, but that's though. he should it, that's, be able that's to cute do it. idea. That's like saying when we draft Michael right. Parsons or or you know, like it's Jake, not though. Uh, what's it's his not name? Though. The, the linebacker from it's not Star- like drafting Cardinals. Micah Parsons because Micah Parsons is one in one billion. There's there's not people built like him, born like him, with the brain like him. You grew up with us. You know who Jeff Luck is out of Port St. Lucie. That was the primest, most athletic thing ever. Could not get the actual brain side of it down it wouldn't make sense for him to just drop back into coverage and be able to intercept things but he I has the athleticism you, for Jeff it luck wasn't a first round yeah pick. but he was the number one recruit in the nation and the number i will one linebacker i will in the say jalen phillips though like if you just watch him playing like with the hurricanes in college he wasn't dropping back and pass like he took over and the he, greg yeah, Rousseau yeah. role when Rousseau sat out for covid that year and he just hand in the dirt on the line go get the passer that's what I'm he not does saying that i think it's playing directly to his strengths all i'm saying is that everyone else on that field on defense not only plays to their strengths but also learns how to do that same thing and from that perspective it's not it, it it's you're not being asked to do anything that anyone else who, on that defense who isn't on the defense is learn. playing it well the only person asked. on defense playing well is jerome baker and maybe Christian Wilkins. Brandon Jones. No one else. Bra- I, yes, Brandon give Jones. Give a shout yeah, out, Brandon, Brandon Jones. Jones. Brandon, Brandon Jones, Javon Holland, they all read the benefit. Andrew Van Ginkle thrived in it. Thrived, I mean, no, thrived with a D. Coming on. I, honestly, in the past tense, brother. I do, Nobody is thriving in this defense I right do now. wonder. Show me, show me a game without the two man-to-man corners I keep harping on. I was about to say, I do work. wonder how much having Byron and now even just this last game with X – how much that is an effect of having to drop those guys back into coverage just to give you extra bodies versus if you know you have your two guys on the outside locked down, you fucking send yeah. seven guys every time because you're not worried about it. And I and I get Think that. And I get that. Think about the quarterback's eyes looking, and then all you see is all these guys scrambling left and right, except there's actual good coverage happening. <laughs> so let me ask you quarters. this. So when they watch film receivers. afterwards, and McDaniel and Boyer are in the coach's room, and he goes, hey, Boyer, what were you thinking right here on this call? And Boyer goes, well, you know, if Byron and X were out there, it would have been fine. 
that that doesn't no, I think fly, bro. You got to adjust with what you got. The guys that you got can't run that you want to run. So you need to run something else. And he's not. He's acting as if it's still X and well, Byron I mean, out there. And it's not. It looked as if this was it looked as if this was like within a game and a half of him figuring out that it wasn't realistic for him to do it. Cause there was portions of the game where it looked like even to me, I'm like, all right, well let's think about the Bengals game. Like even after Xavier Howard went out, like there was a good amount of dis defensive snaps where like they were running it. They were doing it with Cater Kohu and, and Nick Needham there. And, and even Keon Cross sure. and Jamar chase, like there were snaps where still it still no working. pressure though. So, Still no pressure, still no pass rush, no. still no sacks, no, still no tackles in the backfield on running plays. So, like, bro, what are we doing? I would just be interested to see how it works out with those guys. Like I said, they are the absolute most important pieces on the defense. And it's not even close. It's not so then close what do we do for? <laughs> they are the number so what do we, one. What do we do for the next pieces? three weeks when there's still no Byron? And maybe we get X back in a week and a half, but you're probably going to have to play a way more boring defense, which doesn't play to the strengths of the players that we have. And we're going to be super reliant on watching Emmanuel Ogba and Jalen Phillips try to get home. And I don't even know how much zone they have practiced. I don't even know if that's like in their arsenal on defense. Like we watched in the last two years when we watched our defense try to play more than like 50% of their snaps in a weird zone coverage, we've gotten body bagged by teams that aren't even great. So I don't know what they expect to do. I don't know if it's just like, hey, you have to commit to this style of defense that we're used to playing. This is a defense that's been together for like three years. You know what I mean? Like, this is what they they're do. not. It's not so what they it wouldn't do, surprise though, me. Bro. We're, we're just, not even we're not even blitzing Ogba. Where is Emmanuel Ogba? I don't even see where, him. Where's Andrew Van Ginkle? Well, he's getting his snaps eaten up. Melvin right? Ingram. Yeah, Ingram. I get Ingram. I get. But, they, Ingram, I get, but, but where is Ogba? Well, see, that's like, where you keep saying we run this defense. My, like, where is it? My thing. Ogba's coming off the edge. He's not he's not blitzing. He's coming off fair and square off the edge. And what's even crazier is Jalen Phillips is I think is getting more. My thing beat. is is with this next game, especially if X is gonna be out as well, and with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, K even KJ Osborne, it's one o'clock game, so Kirk Cousins is gonna have a Kirk Cousins style game. I, it's going to have to be switched up. Like, you're going to have to run, I think, more zone and more eccentric blitzes. Dude, Javon Holland's going to have to sit 30 but yards like, back. For Jerome, I think Jerome like, Baker has needs to have one of his games to where he rushes the passer more than he typically does. Like, you're just going to have to bring the uh, that pressure up the middle on Kirk just so he doesn't have the time to be able to sit back there for – Justin Jefferson to find a hole in that. Like, if you don't get pressure this next game and stop Dalvin, the Vikings are going to come down to Miami and absolutely wipe the floor. They're going to hang 40 on us again. I mean, they're another team. They're another team that has receivers that we normally would match up really well against because they have, you know, a group of really good receivers and we have a group of really good corners. And instead, we're going to have to watch Noeg Benogany. Keon Crossan, Nick Needham, and Cater Kohu try to contain <laughs> Justin Jefferson. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and KJ Osborne. So that's the real KJ Osborne, that's bro. That's the realistic of it. Irv Smith Jr. and all these guys. But I don't want to go too far into the, the Vikings game. I feel like we need to talk a little bit about what the Jets did from an objective standpoint. 
Um, so you talked about the types of route concepts that they were going to run and what you expected out of Zach Wilson. I said that I didn't think Zach Wilson was going to be able to play well enough to actually beat our defense. Um, you can go ahead and crown me with Bozo nose. Not that Zach Wilson <laughs> did anything amazing. It was a bunch of broken coverages. Yes and, stuff and like no, that. bro. I was going to say, don't hang, don't hang your head. I don't think Zach Wilson beat us. I think five rushing touchdowns and Brees Hall is what did it. Hey, yeah. Zach made Zach made his plays yeah. though. He had little intermediate and bullshit. Like you know, yeah. he he he, he, he hit, did enough. He hit the open guys. He did what he was and, supposed to do. But again, again, he had yeah. time because we have dudes like Emmanuel Ogba and Jalen Phillips both dropped back into coverage while we're only sending our front three. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? I, why? Why? Ouch! Why? Fins? Why? On Twitter, <laughs> like, bro, yeah. what the? F- their offensive line was so hurt. It does, There's no excuse. No and like, I'm sorry, bro. You, like Justin just said, oh, if we can get the pass rush going this next game. We just played against a Bengals offensive line that was down to like four stringers. We just played a Jets offensive line that was down to four stringers and practice <laughs> squad guys. And we're getting one sack per game. Dude, there is. We've gotten two sacks. There's no games. such thing as a pass rush for us right now. Except for that There's Brandon th- Jones. Shout out nineteen yard loss. Beautiful. That looked like uh, that looked like the Jerome Baker on Pat Mahomes. And bro, I started getting horny early because Jalen Phillips was getting a sack early. I'm like, cool. We get five. I said it in the pod. Five sacks, easy day. Anything less than that might be hell. What do we get? Two, one. Like, dude. Told you he was slippery, dude. I told you Zach Wilson. He's a very slippery. Annoying. And Brees was another one that was slippery. But again. No, I don't even hey. know what that's about. Hey. I don't even know what that is. They were treating Brees Hall like Frank Gore. He just couldn't nah, go down. Out. It was disgusting. I was. Repulsed. I know. I know. Justin snapped on Boyer. I don't know whose man Brees was on that wheel route, but I I watched Roe look right at Kian Cross, and they both just stopped and looked around, looked at Zach Wilson. Oh no! Wait, it, it might have been. It was either Roe or Nah. Kohu, don't blame. I I, it was Roe and twenty-seven. I looked real close, and I believe twenty-seven is crossing. Both of them bumped into each other, looked at each other, and just froze, and expected the other one to go guard him. It was annoying, but it was a miscommunication issue. And like honestly, I can count on one hand how many times I've seen a miscommunication issue on the defense this year. You know, so I'm like, if I don't see it again, then we're cool. But. Yeah, it was it was definitely annoying to see, but you could see black. I see it on other teams a lot more. That was annoying, but can we just agree that Noah is completely useless? And at this point, we can just God. take him off the field. I want not have him out there. I wanted Noah's season more than anything, just, and it's just not coming. Yeah, this is this this was supposed it's more to like be a, a hurricane season where the hurricane sits over your house for five days. Yeah, cat five. Uh, Noah is. There's one reason that Noah is still on the team, and it's because he's a human being who's alive and breathing that they're already paying money, and if they cut him, I will say he is also... They can't bring anyone else in. He is only like 21, 22 years old, so he's still the age of some rookies coming in. That's the only reason I think they still are giving him the benefit of the doubt is just because he has more years to develop than most people do two mm-hmm. three years into the league yeah and if you got your head on straight and you're being objective that is the way that we should look at it 
But seeing as you're only allowed to carry 53 men on a roster and there are definitely players in the league right now that cost less than $5 million for this season, that would be more of an immediate impact in the secondary than I would, like Benogany. I would cost them maybe $2.5 million and I would be less of a liability than Noah. Because, That's because expensive. I'd go out there for free at this point. I'm like that Eagles, that Eagles fan you see on the internet where he puts the helmet on and says he's. You got to know your worth. You're, you're from South Florida, brother. You could get at least 1.5 milli. If I'm playing for the Dolphins, I don't need anything except Play my hospital for the love <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Hit me up, Mike. Yeah, nah. I need my check, bro. And I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna get done, and we're gonna get the work. Uh, you know what? The, you know how much these owners make. Don't go out there and play for free. Don't do nothing for free. Know your value, Kinks. But uh, speaking, yeah. do you, well, Justin? Do you have uh, anything you thought that the Jets did well, and it wasn't more of a um, the Miami shooting themselves in the foot, and more so a Jets doing something well? You know, they seemed like in some aspects of the game they did deserve. Honestly, all three phases. I have a, a Jets fan, my boy Bobby O. He's also in a league with uh, me and Justin. He's he's a firecracker, but he's a true Jets fan. And he said, bro, Jets honestly just played well in all three phases. They did play well in special teams. That punt is what set up the Teddy yeah. Bridgewater safety. And they did. And the, not a good the punt directly after that pinned us back deep, too. Like They did just play well in all three phases. Yep. I mean... Take away the pass interference calls, which, you know, obviously fans of either side are going to complain or be happy for it either way. Regardless, I do think the corners and the DBs for the Jets did do a good job of not getting just outright toasted. They kept generally everybody in front of them, especially with Tyreek and Waddle. Now, obviously, I think with Waddle, we're seeing the factor of him not having Tua as his quarterback. Um, obviously takes, yeah, it's bad. He was also hurt. And I think there was something about him being out there just to, you know, just to be a body on the field aside. His groin might be more up than they're leading on to believe as well. Yeah. He's, he's a tough kid and I think he's doing himself kind of a disservice. Kind of like, remember how he played with that broken ankle in the national championship. Like he, I'm scared sometimes that he's playing yeah, and he should yeah, be. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, he definitely doesn't look like he has the same kind of burst. I mean, that that one crazy play where Skyler just kind of threw it out of nowhere and it wobbled and he just dove for it and caught it. That was awesome. But Jeez. now. Yeah, that's, an, that's another elite just like. Yeah, it was third, third and like too, eight, I think. I think. And he just uh, floated it out there and. Waddle just made a play. But as far as the Jets, you know, like just being objective, I mean, like we said, Zach Wilson didn't do anything spectacular, but he made the plays he should have made. He hit his open guys. It was just one of those to where the Jets didn't make any mistakes and the Dolphins just weren't able to consistently really get the ball. Like it was not a matter of, you know, the Jets scoring like the uh, 21 points they got in the fourth quarter. That the wheels were off the game at that point, and the Dolphins essentially were just kind of trying to get out of there. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't anything spectacular that they did. The Dolphins just aren't able to get takeaways. Like they're right now, they're minus, uh, they're negative in their takeaways as far as 
Turnover difference. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Turnover ratio. Like, it's just, if you're not going to get the ball taken away and you're just going to allow a team to keep scoring, you're just, there's no way you're going to win. So, to me, it was just the Jets handled business and the Dolphins didn't. Yeah. If the Jets would have made uh, the same type of mistakes we did, I think we still win, even with Skyler almost. Like, it looked like that. But, like, they played competent at the level of talent they had on their team, all things considered. They just played a consistent, sound game. And if we played a, the same consistent, sound game, we probably would have won. And then it looks like they just outplayed us with who was on the field, you know. So, going to have to hold that L, I mean, so I- I'll hold my L. I'm willing to because we traded our entire draft for Tyreek Hill and watching. He's in a walking. I don't give a damn. He said he's going to be fine. In his own words, Cheetah just got a sore paw. But that snag when he snatched the ball away from DJ Reed, as I thought it was an interception. And then next thing I know, Tyreek Hill just has it for a first down. And when. Yeah, he's good for one of those. Bro, and then you see him on that reverse, just like he shot out of a cannon. And the other reverse that was supposed to be a reverse pass, where if he doesn't like outrun Robert Hunt, he might have like house called it. I have never seen someone so fing electric. Like ever. You know what's funny? We used to get on Albert Wilson all the time for doing that running backwards mm-hmm. thing. And although you can tell the difference in caliber of player that Albert Wilson is compared to Tyreek Hill, obviously. What's interesting and, you know, context that matters is Albert Wilson played as the number two depth behind Tyreek Hill in Kansas City for a couple of years, you know, and that's probably why he tried doing all that crazy stuff and running backwards because he's watching it take place all the time in front of him when Tyreek does it. And then sometimes it worked for Albert Wilson on our team in the past, but not quite like what we saw uh, yesterday with Tyreek Hill. I mean, that that's just a dead to rights that play is blown up and he single-handedly said yeah no i gotta get to that orange that orange first justin would you say tyree kill is the mm, i don't know if we're old enough to say this but would you say he's the most explosive or just the most valuable offensive player you've seen in your lifetime as a dolphins fan i wouldn't say most valuable because i remember those ricky years and if we didn't have Ricky Williams on those teams, we would have just been an absolute disaster. Right. Uh, but I, I, all the highlights I've ever watched over my life, and every, I will easily say Tyreek is the most explosive and exciting player the Dolphins have ever had in their uniform. There's just, he's one of one. There's only one guy that can do what he can do. He has the speed of Daryl Green with the shiftiness of Dante Hall. And the hand strength of Anquan Bolden, like you build him in a laboratory. Actually, though, he's and he's got ups. Than, I like. I knew he was good. I knew he was good. I knew he was elite. I knew he was great. But like, when you're a fan of your team and you already know what the team looks and feels like and the consistency of what they're able to get done, and then you add just him as an isolated piece and you see the difference it makes it really shows you like firsthand that value more so than when you see him on a team that you don't know oh if we don't have like if we don't have Tyreek we don't come back and win that Ravens game absolutely Absolutely not not. 
If we don't have Tyreek, bro, uh, I don't know what our, our record looks like. Interception yeah, week one. dude. Yeah, like, we're one and four. That guy is so worth everything we paid him. He's worth trading away all the picks. I don't care. If he needs a pinky toe, I'll cut mine bro, off Bro, anything tonight. Cheetah need, Cheetah got. That's on Sut. I'll pull up, but, bro. I love him. At this point, I think we got the Dolphins music playing. Yeah, unless you unless you want to uh, talk um, about sending somebody for laps before we before we talk about this next one, or are we good on segments? Who you? I mean, you sent him for laps. I already. I, I, I'm. There is no laps for me. Either you're on the team or you're off, and I want. If I'm sending you for laps, that means you're not even going to be getting reps, and like I don't even want to look at you. But at this point, that's only Elaine yeah. Roberts and Liam. And I and I say enough about them. No Noah's one. not even uh, all right. So for Z- Zach Ware and Cody exactly. Reed, I'm so sorry that I said Noah season as much as I did. I was wrong. I was I was I was misconstrued. Honestly, it was all it's set. all my fault. It's all my it fault. All it had nothing, had nothing to do with Ouch. This is all me. I was wrong as <laughs> this trash. He needs to stop playing. I will not say that that Jared Allen that we drafted out of Tennessee was a better use of company resources because he was like the 16th overall pick. This was like the 29th, and he was drafted after a couple of other guys that are doing mildly decent. So, that. But, yeah, no, it's not Noah's season. Noah. I'd rather have Alvy out there at corner. Um, <laughs> Alvy does look like he could Alvy was disgusting corner at corner. I can send you his highlight. Honestly, I'll send it to you on Discord in a minute. Like, Alvy was nice. Al- <laughs> Alvy was the nice. Audio of them screaming his number. <laughs> like, bro, Alvy was returning kicks. Al- Alvy freshman year played nose tackle at like 135 pounds, bro. And he was also nice at that. Like, Vato, bro. Essay. But South Florida's built different. The Miami Dolphins are built different. Day one Dolphins are built different. Shout outs to Justin for pulling up from the PFP gang. Uh, you can catch that. Twice a week, every week. Shout outs to Ouch Y Fins Y. Shout outs to me at Chief Sut. I guess I just did the outro. Y'all boys got anything else to say? I'm so glad you did it. I'm so glad you did the outro. I was like, man. <laughs> I'm buzzing. So I'm buzzing so hard. I've been pounding these topo cheetos. I'm not going to be here next week. I think it's going to be, you're going to be left with Sut next week. I'm taking a trip to the motherland, Florida, for a, for a wedding. Was going to go see the Vikings game in person. Now that I know who is not playing, I probably won't go. Um, but unless the tickets drop off in price. But next week, you're going to be left with Sut. And uh, I believe Justin will come back and do the preview of the yeah, yeah. game. Until then, spins up. Keep your head hang high. Only got a couple more weeks. And t- I mean, they, c- they can't take everyone away from us. They can't take all our players away. A couple more weeks, even if we lose the next two or three nah. games straight, we are still in contention for being able to compete. We'll be okay. This is a playoff caliber team with with as long as Tyree Kill and two are on the field. We have Fiends for the win. We ain't, we ain't going on no stretch like yeah. that. Fiends for the win. Last one. <laughs> and when you say Miami, you're talking to because we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.